children of God, of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all families, of all last names, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And uh, got a little bit of teasing about this this morning. Yep, it's the same passage. If you've been with us for a couple weeks, we're going to the same spot. I just hope it's easy to find and that you really, really like it and can find your way to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. There is a good reason to preach from the same text three times in a row. And part of that reason is because God's word is always fresh to us. There is always something that God can speak to us, and it is good to cover the, the breadth of Scripture and to read far and wide of all of the different books that Scripture has to offer. And also, there is a time and place to zero in and to dig deep. Sometimes reading Scripture is like a gold mine where you have to go down deep, and you keep finding more and more and more. And where the last two weeks we've kind of focused on come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Today, we're going to focus on that last verse a little bit more around take my yoke upon you of what exactly Jesus means in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30 about this yoke that he has to offer us. And so as we come to God's word, as we come to truly mine for spiritual gold, invite you to read along and Keep your Bibles open. There's a few other places that we're going to go today. So if you're someone who kind of likes to follow along and when you hear the next text that is uh, mentioned, if you kind of want to go there just as a placeholder to read along there, um, then I invite you to keep your Bibles open. Um, we might move a little bit fast sometimes, but that's okay too. So before we read God's word, we'll pray and then I'll read the scriptures together. And as is our custom, at the end of the scripture reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you are grateful for it, I invite you to respond with, thanks be to God. But before we read God's word, let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be good and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. May we all, as your children who have had our lives saved by you, may we all have meditations upon your word. We trust that you will speak to us through your word, that your Holy Spirit will whisper to our very hearts, and that through your word, you will give us what we stand in need of this week. All of this we pray in the holy name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 11 beginning at verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, says Jesus at the beginning of our text today. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's a temptation that we might have that would be starting in a good place but might steer us a little bit off track 
if we read those words, and as we read, we, we assign meaning to them. This is where theology comes from, is, is we interpret what do these words mean to us. And there's an interpretation that, that we might jump to a little bit too quickly. When we read Jesus saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, we may jump to the meaning that what Jesus is saying here is, well, you know what? The, the Jews had all of their rules and laws and regulations, but from now on with me, there won't be any of that. Or we'll think, well, in the Old Testament, there's all those, there's, there's entire books of what to do and what not to do and, and what sin offering you make when you do this kind of sin and what you have to sacrifice when you make that kind of sin. And that would all seem kind of complicated and confusing, but Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I'm going to make it a lot simpler for you to understand and to follow along and to live life this way. Now, there are elements of that meaning, that interpretation that we can make are true. After all, Jesus did summarize the law. When he was pressed into some trick questions, as often the religious leaders of the day would do, Jesus always, not outsmarted, but outwisdomed, not outsmart, but outwisdomed the leaders of his day through God's wisdom. And Jesus did summarize all the law and the prophets and said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. And the summary of the law hangs in the balance with those two. Jesus did summarize the law. He did, in that way, make it more accessible. And that is true and good. But it would be an error on our part to say that that's the only thing that Jesus means here with my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus did summarize the law. Jesus had a thing or two to say about the law actually not being enough for our salvation by itself, that we couldn't accomplish it. The Apostle Paul picks up on this and runs with it even more in several of his letters, explaining this interesting relationship between all of these older books of Scripture, the law, and what it is to live a life in Christ. Paul especially unpacks that in Galatians and Romans. And I would encourage you, if you start reading Romans and you're like, this is just too thick and heavy, I can't process through it, just read Galatians. It's like the Sparknotes version of Romans. And I realize that not everyone would know what Sparknotes is. It's the shorthand version. But let's not make an error on what Jesus does or doesn't do with the law. Jesus didn't take the law and the prophets and throw them out and say, those are old scrap that we don't need anymore. Only a few chapters earlier, Jesus says something pretty interesting in Matthew 5, 17, and 18. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says something about the law in Matthew 5. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So, today we read, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the same Jesus who said that 
just a few chapters earlier said, no, 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 heaven and earth disappear before the least stroke of a pen of the law will disappear. This is not something that we say, well, all those rules are scrapped now. Those don't get thrown away. To understand and to not miss, to correctly interpret and make the right meaning of Jesus' words, the challenge always in reading Scripture faithfully and well is to read every verse in light of the whole of Scripture, all 66 books and all of their thousands of years of spread in, in consideration. And also, we read the whole of Scripture through the lens of every verse. We read a lot of Scripture to understand even just a little bit of it. What is Jesus' meaning about the law? This yoke that is easy and a burden that is light, it does not mean that the law is thrown away. In Matthew 5, Jesus does talk about that it won't disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And, and we have the gift of looking back over the whole gospel story to know that the accomplishing is done by Christ. The fulfillment of the law is done by Christ. We have the advantage of reading that in hindsight. And so we could say, okay, well, all the law, all the regulations, they'll be fulfilled by Jesus, and then they're kind of taken care of. So it makes all the more sense for Jesus to say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But that doesn't always add up if we think about, well, does that mean that being a Christian is easy? Does that mean that following Jesus will be a cakewalk? That being a Christian by taking the name of Christ upon ourselves, by claiming him as our Savior, that, that that'll be easy street for the rest of our lives. Well, that doesn't work either. Even though Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew and the other Gospels actually makes it sound like being a Christian might be kind of tough sometimes. Also in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I like the part about, in me you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. That sounds good. That sounds like a Labor Day theme, like it's going to be okay. Deep breath. Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But then when we read the same Jesus saying you'll be blessed and persecuted and insulted and hated, that doesn't sound like very much fun. It does not sound like an easy burden to carry or a light weight to carry. To be said that, well, you'll be insulted, persecuted, blasphemed, hated, all of the above. Jesus talks about counting the costs of following him. Jesus talks about carrying your cross almost to foreshadow the type of death that he will die. And if we think about the law's not going away, Jesus came to fulfill it, but you'll have to count the cost of following Jesus, carry your cross. You could be insulted and persecuted and have all th kinds of things said about you that are evil. It doesn't sound easy or light. I would say we maybe need some help 
from Jesus to do that kind of work. So how do we rightly understand to take the full meaning of what Jesus says, to know that there is an invitation to rest of our weariness, that there is an invitation to a yoke and burden that is easy and light, and to not miss the point, to not overinterpret something Jesus said and pretend that we can ignore entire other books of the Bible. In this case, we have another gift, that we have the Gospels, but then we have the book of Acts and some of the letters of the early church, that because people were trying to figure out, just like we're trying to figure out, how do I faithfully live a life of following Jesus? Well, the first Jesus followers and the second generation of Jesus followers were also trying to figure that, that out and having conversations about it. I believe, as a philosophy of the DeVries household, that we're all making the best decisions we can with the information available. The early church had their information available to make the best decisions they can, and we're doing the same today. Our gift is that we have some of Jesus' first followers and what they instructed the early church and subsequently us in, particularly Peter. In Acts chapter 15, Peter speaks up. And Peter, of course, followed Jesus. Peter is the one who is ready to jump out of the boat and walk to Jesus, but he kind of fell in the water anyway. Peter is the zealous disciple who is always wanting to be with Jesus. Well, Peter is someone who got to walk with Jesus and talk with him and have conversations that aren't recorded in Scripture. And if that seems unsettling, remember that Scripture is perfect and complete in the story of salvation that it offers us. But the Gospel of John tells us that if we were to write about all the things that Jesus said and did, if the oceans were ink, it would not be enough to write it all down. And so Peter not only has heard the words of Jesus that we read in the Gospels, but Peter got to walk with Jesus. He got to walk from town to town and just chat with him. He had more meals with Jesus that we don't know all the topics of conversation. But Peter has internalized a lot of Jesus' teaching because he has walked side by side with Jesus. And in Acts 15, when they're trying to figure out what do we do about these Gentiles who don't follow the law? Can we just throw out the law and let these Gentiles in? Well, that doesn't seem like something good to do. Peter is finally the one who speaks up. And in, Ma in Acts, Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 7, we're told after much discussion, and I mean, folks, this is a church meeting, so you know when it says after much discussion, they've been at this for a while. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, listen for this part about yoke. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. Why do you try to test God 
by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No, says Peter, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Peter has heard Jesus talk about the law as a yoke. And in Acts 15, he has in mind all the hard stuff that Jesus talked about of what it would be like to follow him. He has in mind this invitation to receive a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. And he has in mind that Jesus has fulfilled the law in a way that no imperfect human ever could have, but that it would take God coming down in the flesh to live the fulfillment of the law. So, how does Peter make sense of it all? How should we make sense of it all? It's that something is different with Jesus. Jesus, who isn't abolishing the law and say the rules don't matter anymore, but summarizing it, making it accessible, and also fulfilling the divine law. What's different for us as people who live after the time of Christ's death and resurrection? Maybe the simple and obvious part for us is right in front of us, but I don't know how many of you have teamed up a yoke of oxen recently, but I can tell you, even growing up on a farm, I never have. But this idea of yoking oxen, right in front of us in the text, but this is where Peter makes good sense of this. If you yoke oxen together, they will do a lot of hard work but they will also share the burden together. Also, if you put an, a yoke on two oxen, they cannot walk in different directions. They cannot walk out of step with each other, and they have to walk at the same pace in the same direction as they are guided. Jesus tells us in Matthew, Matthew 11, that we read first, I know we've covered a lot of Matthew today, but in Matthew 11, where we started, Take my yoke, my yoke, upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, this isn't something I'm putting on you. This is something that I am taking with you. Jesus, just as Peter got to walk side by side in step with Jesus, Jesus is saying to all of us, take my yoke upon you and I will walk with you. I'll be on one spot, you be on the other. We will be yoked together because it's a burden that you can't carry on your own to the divine law and full righteousness. Nope, you can't do that on your own. But you'll find rest because you're going to walk with me. The invitation of Jesus is to be yoked with him. And then they carry the same load together. If you're yoked with Jesus, you can't walk away from him. You can't walk out of step with him. And you can't fall behind or run ahead. When we are yoked with Jesus, we are side by side with him. And I think Jesus is a little bit stronger than us. Quite a bit. And he's saying, be yoked with me. And I'm going to pull my weight, and you're going to pull alongside of me. Doesn't mean that all the rules and stuff are gone, but it means I'm carrying this load with you. 
this is no longer yours and yours alone. You still have a high and holy calling. You will still have challenges to face in life. You will still have difficulties and trials and temptations, but you will not face them alone because I want you to find rest by being yoked with me. I don't want to stand, Jesus says, I don't want to stand off to the side and cheer you on or shame you if you carry the load or not. I want to walk alongside with you. I want to be yoked with you so that we can walk together. Then we get to walk in step with God. Take my yoke upon you. I am joining you in this work that I have called you to, but really we know that we are the ones joining Jesus in the work that will be accomplished. Peter was right to say that the law is a yoke that neither the Jews of that day nor their ancestors could carry. Jesus is saying, you can handle it when you're yoked with me. I'll carry it with you. It doesn't go away, but it's not up to you on your own either. Jesus, the invitation of the gospel is, please walk with me. Walk the same direction as me and let me set the pace. May the Holy Spirit drive us as we walk with Jesus. And how would you describe this maybe to someone else who's curious about what does this mean? What does it look like? How would you explain this yoking, this walking alongside next to someone else, to someone who maybe doesn't know Jesus, is curious or skeptical of this? Would we say, oh, well, if you follow Jesus, the rules don't matter anymore. It's a free-for-all. You can do whatever you want. We would say, no, that's not it. There's still some guidelines. There's still some rules to follow. Nor would we say, oh yeah, follow Jesus. He'll give you even more rules that you don't even know about yet. He'll make your life even harder. It's not that either. It is Christ's invitation to walk alongside, that we get to walk alongside of Jesus. It's not no more rules. It's not be more strict. And it's not you don't have to do anything. There is still work to be done. And there are still things that have to be done to, to keep yourself safe. Most of the law is designed to keep you away from sin that is often self-punishing. Sin is often self-punishing. But if you think about yoked animals, they do a lot of work. You team up a couple of oxen and you can plow a field. That's something that we can't do on our own very well, pushing it in front of us. Jesus says, be yoked with me and just imagine what we can do. You, all of us, joining Jesus. This is where we find freedom. This is where we find rest. This is where we find meaning to the work that we do because we are going to walk in step with Jesus. So take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is an invitation, not to the cessation of work, not to say, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. At least I get to go to heaven after everything burns here. Nope. The invitation is to walk with Jesus, to find rest in his pace, which includes observing Sabbath, having rest from our labors, but also the work is accomplished when we walk in step with Jesus. Friends, may Christ set the pace for your life. May Christ walk in step with you 
and bear burdens with you. And at the completion of the fields that we work together, may we look back with a heavenly perspective and see all that we got to take part in by accepting Jesus' yoke to be able to walk with him and to look at the field and say, I got to join Jesus in changing the world. One field at a time. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light because you carry it with us, because you walk alongside of us, because you speak to us as if we are your children that you dearly and fiercely love. For your yoke, for our ability and invitation and privilege to walk alongside of you. For this we give you thanks. May our lives be a witness that being yoked to you is a life that has both labor and rest, that has both challenge and celebration, that has both reward and promise. May we eagerly be yoked with you. And as we remember that if we are yoked with you and you are yoked with our neighbor who also follows you, then we are yoked with a great team. And in those moments where we're not sure, in those moments where we don't know how to make sense of it all, may we be yoked next to someone who has been there, who can walk alongside of us and who can speak to us in the flesh just as you did, Jesus with heavenly wisdom and with invitation for meaningful labor and true rest. In your name we pray.